have a few thoughts on our gospel reading this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If they aren't familiar to you from Scripture, they should be familiar to you from our liturgy. They're part of what we call the comfortable words. We use that word comfortable in an old-fashioned sense literally to mean able to comfort. These are words that are able to comfort us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'd be surprised if very many of us coming to this passage this morning aren't feeling weary and heavy laden. And so I pray these words bring us comfort today. Our gospel reading starts off at that time. So we have to look at what time. Jesus has called down curses on three cities. Three cities where he's done his mightiest works, Jesus says, and they rejected him. They failed to repent. Chorazin and Capernaum are those two cities. I've been to Chorazin. It's an amazing place. It's, it's, a, it's a ruined village. It was abandoned in the first century and nobody had ever rebuilt it. I wonder why. Well, Jesus said, woe to you, Chorazin. It's a beautiful setting. I mean, I'm no real estate expert, but it's probably the prettiest place in Israel I saw, which it's Israel. You're not saying an awful lot, okay? It's a spot in the desert. But it's on a hillside. It goes down to the lake. It's a beautiful place, and it was abandoned 2,000 years ago. Jesus says, all the wise people haven't seen what I have to say, but the little children have heard me. How often does Jesus compare his followers to little children? Not that they are childish, but that they are trusting and loving. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's interesting in the Hebrew and Jewish mindset, the rest is, is, is connected to order. After creating the world in Genesis 1, that beautiful poem that starts the whole Bible, God rests. It's not that he's exhausted from the work is that everything is ordered. The point of having a Sabbath rest is that you take the day before the Sabbath to order your life, to cook the food for the next day, to make sure everything is taken care of, and then things are ordered, and then Jesus promises an ordered life. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But notice what Jesus says, doesn't say to do. He doesn't say, pray to me and you'll find this rest, or think about me and you'll find this rest. But he says two things. First, take my yoke upon you, and then he says, learn from me. In last week's reading, you might remember Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. This week, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You might have seen a yoke maybe up on the wall in a barbecue restaurant or something. It's a big wooden board, a big wooden bar that's laid across the neck of an ox so the ox can pull a wagon or a plow. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And we want to resist that, don't we? Why did we celebrate yesterday? Independence, right? I'm not talking about a political sense, but in a, in a psychological sense, we celebrate independence, right? I don't want anybody telling me what to do. You're not the boss of me. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. We want to believe the myth that we don't already have a yoke. Jesus says, you've already got a yoke of some kind. 
because you're laboring and are heavy laden. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. You've already got a yoke. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. What kind of yokes do people carry? Some people carry around religious yokes. Just 12 chapters from now in Matthew 23, Jesus is going to talk about the religious leaders who bind up burdens and pile them on top of men's shoulders and then do nothing to help them carry their burden. Others are yoked to their career or to their friends or their reputation or their family. I'm hitting the same theme I hit last week, aren't I? All of us are connected to things and we have to give those things up to follow Jesus and take my yoke upon me. Because everybody in the world's got a yoke of some kind. Everybody's laboring and is heavy laden. And that's why Jesus says, come to me. You're already yoked to a heavy burden, so take my yoke. And when you take Jesus' yoke, take off that old yoke, you find Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, the yoke you carry now is breaking you. Put it aside and take my yoke. Make Jesus Lord, not the weight that you carry now. And learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. To learn what? Well, for one thing, to learn about the Father. Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by, to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus reveals the Father to us. And in his death, Jesus brings us into unity with the Father. After the sermon last Sunday, I've been thinking a lot about persecution this week. And there are two martyrdom stories that all Anglicans should know. We should know lots of martyrdom stories. I was convicted. Maybe we need to be teaching more about the martyrs in our education system here at Servants. But there's two martyrdom stories that all Anglicans should know and hold to heart. The first one's from 1555 and two Anglican bishops, two bishops in the Church of England, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley, in Oxford. Latimer was an old man. He had been made a bishop before the Reformation even. Ridley was made a bishop after the Reformation, but they both came to believe that salvation was by grace alone. And when the order came that they had to teach salvation by works, they refused and they're burned at the stake. Latimer, the older man, tied to Ridley, the younger man, Ridley expresses his fear, and Latimer says, tonight we'll have a great supper with our Lord. And he said, Ridley, play the man. Our bodies will light a candle that by the grace of God will never be extinguished in England. Courage in the face of martyrdom. The second martyrdom story that all Anglicans should know comes from Uganda just recently celebrated the, the holy day of the martyrs of Uganda in 1885. The king ordered his servants to provide him with sexual pleasure. And 50 of his servants were Christians. Half of them were Anglicans, half of them were Roman Catholics. And they said, we will not participate in sexual activity outside of marriage. 
The king ordered the execution of the Anglican bishop, an Englishman named Harrington, and then ordered those 50 servants to a field where they too were burned at the stake. More recently, you may remember seeing at least still images of the martyrs in Libya, marched in orange jumpsuits, beheaded, singing praises to Jesus. One thing that strikes me about these martyrdom stories is that none of these martyrs, as as they are martyred, cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is that? Because that's what Jesus cried out. He took the disordered, restless death that all of us deserve. And the great martyr stories are of those who had courage because God was with them. And why was God with them? Because God had forsaken Jesus on the cross where Jesus won our salvation. Jesus experienced cosmic disorder on the cross, the complete abandonment abandonment by God. And he died a restless death that we would find rest in him. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I encourage you to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him. In Jesus' name, amen.